Take your Bible and let's go to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Read the first seven verses for us of Philippians chapter 1. Notice with me starting in verse 1, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. We all have much to be thankful for, and even this morning we've been reminded already through song and through word that there are many things that we can call before the Lord and count our blessings. No doubt that always starts with our salvation, but even before we were saved, we have a family we can be thankful for. We have friends, we have health, we have uh, uh, God's leading in our life, God's provision, God's protection. We're thankful for some special blessings, and each one of us have some individual things that are unique to us that we are thankful for. We're thankful for unique opportunities and even some amazing miracles. And God says, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I don't know the specific will for every person in this room. Uh, God has a specific will for every person. But I know that part of the general will of God is that we be thankful. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. We have to pray about God's specific will, what he wants us to do with our life, whether he wants us to be in a full-time ministry capacity, whether that's as a pastor or a musician or as a missionary or evangelist. We have to pray about those things as far as God's specific will. But we, can, we don't have to pray about whether we should be thankful. It's commanded by God that we be thankful. And it's important that we express that thanks, that we express it to God, that we express it to others. Jesus, one day in the Gospels, healed 10 lepers. You remember the story? These lepers were destitute. They had no hope. The Bible tells us in the Gospel of Luke that of all the lepers in the Old Testament, none of them were healed of their leprosy except for Naaman, the Syrian, and that took a miracle of God. So leprosy was an incurable disease. There was no remedy. There was no solution. It was fatal when you had leprosy. But Jesus comes along and they recognize who he is and they call out to him and Jesus speaks the word and those lepers are made whole. How many were thankful? Well, the truth is, I think they were all thankful. I know if I had leprosy and suddenly I was well, I would be thankful. And in their excitement, they probably went to tell their friends and their family that they hadn't seen probably in months and years that suddenly they were well. They were thankful to be healed. But only one came back and expressed his thanks. 
And that's important. Jesus spoke highly of this one who came back and expressed it. It's important that we be thankful, but we need to learn to express that thanks as well. One of the signs of a reprobate culture is that we're unthankful. In Romans chapter 1, it tells a, a long list of things that happen when people get away from God, when people deny God, when people live as what is right in their own eyes. And God shows us the demise in, in Romans 1. I think there are about 20 different characteristics of that condition of a depraved or a reprobate mind. And the Bible starts that list by saying, because that when they knew God, verse 21, they glorified him not as God. So they knew who God was, but they weren't letting him be God in their life. I hope that's not the case for us over the break. I hope that we don't just know about God, but that we live as God is in control of our life. Because that's the first step toward a depraved or a, or a ruinous culture. They knew God, but they glorified him not as God. Number two, neither were thankful. Boy, second step toward a reprobate culture is an unthankful culture. So we're commanded to be thankful and we're warned about being unthankful. We will think of no doubt many things today, tomorrow, Thursday, that we are thankful for. I'm sure we'll be thankful for some people. We'll be thankful for some places. We'll be thankful for some events. We'll be thankful for some decisions. We'll be thankful for some things past. We'll be thankful for some things coming. But will anybody be thankful for you? In all the thanksgiving that will take place over the next few days, will anybody be thankful for you? Did you notice what Paul wrote to these people at Philippi? In verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Somebody will think about you over the break you will come to somebody's mind. At least your mother. <laughs> Maybe your dad. Perhaps your pastor. Perhaps friends. Even people maybe back here at college. Somebody will think about you. They'll see something. They'll hear something. They'll, they'll think about you. Will they be thankful? What would make somebody thankful for me? What would make somebody thankful for you? Well, I want you to see just quickly this morning three outstanding qualities that Paul saw in these people at Philippi that made him thankful for them every time he thought about them. First, he was thankful for their fellowship. Notice it in verse number five for your fellowship in the gospel. Paul was thankful that he had a commonality with his people 
through the gospel. You know, because of the gospel, and all of us in this room profess to know Christ as our Savior. All of us claim to be saved. And as a result of that, we have a fellowship in the gospel. And there ought to be a fellowship in the gospel among believers that is like no other fellowship in this world. The students at West Coast Baptist College ought to be closer knit than a football team. They ought to be closer knit than a government cabinet. They ought to be closer knit than simply a staff at some workplace someplace. Why? Because of Christ. We are united in our fellowship in the gospel. Uh, John wrote, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. In Psalm 119, in verse 163, the psalmist said, I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. If you're serving God, if you're loving God, if you're doing what's right, you're a friend of mine, the psalmist said. If you're living for God and doing what's right, I'm a companion of yours. And didn't Jesus say, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one toward another? You see, that fellowship in the gospel ought to be obvious. It ought to be a part of our culture. As John said in chapter 15 and verse 12, or Jesus said in John 15, verse 12, he said, this is my commandment that you love one another even as I have loved you. Whoa. Do we love those around us who are believers as much as Christ loves me? Paul said, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Peter wrote, seeing we have purified our souls in obeying the truth of the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. We have a fellowship in the gospel. And Paul was thankful for these people because of his fellowship with them as believers. The dissenter, the aloof, the selfish, the prideful, those aren't people we're thankful for. Can I encourage you over the break to pray for each other? When you think of somebody back at college, that roommate that you're glad to be away from for a few days, be thankful for them. Pray for them. Pray for one another. Text one another. I think one of the most enjoyable days of my semester is the first day. When you guys come back, January 21st, you get out of your cars and you come to the Walther Center or wherever they're uh, designating you to be, one of the things that I enjoy the most about any semester is when you guys see each other after being gone for a while. And there's that fellowship that immediately picks up right where it left off. You know what? That's the way it ought to be. It ought to be in a place like this that we are thankful for the fellowship that we have in the gospel. So when Paul thought of this Philippian church, he was thankful for them because of their fellowship, but secondly, because of their faithfulness. In verse 5, he says, for your fellowship in the gospel, notice, from the first day until now. 
These weren't a bunch of fickle believers here at Philippi. These weren't people that were kind of fly-by-nights. No, these were dependable, steadfast, committed marathoners of the Christian life. These were people that were being faithful. From the first day until Paul wrote this letter to them, he knew that they were faithful. And one of the things that caused him to give thanks for them was their faithfulness. Proverbs 25 and verse 19 says, Confidence in an unfaithful man is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. What a verse. I can tell you from personal experience that that verse is true. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. On May 27th this past year, I left my car in Atlanta. I was preaching on the East Coast. Left my car at the Atlanta airport, flew to Lancaster to preach the high school graduation here on the 27th. I was scheduled to preach Sunday all day in pastor's absence on the 29th, which I did. Got in my car after the evening service and drove to the airport to catch a red eye back to Atlanta to rejoin myself with my car. On my way to the airport, I felt something in my mouth that wasn't right. Running my tongue around my teeth, I soon discovered that I had broken a tooth. I could move it with my tongue. It was broken at the base of the tooth. As I tried to get a glimpse of it in my rearview mirror in between watching for drivers, I saw which tooth it was, and it was not good. This particular tooth in my mouth is quite a history. It had had a root canal. It had been doctored several times by my dentist, and he told me a couple of years ago, he said, John, if you ever lose that tooth, you're in trouble. I mean, there's gonna have to be major work done if you lose that tooth. It was that tooth that was broken. Well, I prayed. I said, God, get me to Atlanta. Get me through a couple more weeks. Get me back here to Lancaster so I can go to the dentist and he can probably glue it back together. In fact, when I got to Atlanta, I bought some glue. I, I, I'm glad I didn't use it because I probably would have killed myself, but I did buy some glue just in case right before I went out to preach, I could at least preach one more sermon. I didn't eat anything because I didn't want to chew on it. In fact, I haven't chewed a bite of food since May 29th. I've been on a liquid diet since May 29th, and I got a couple more months to go. I ended up having an eight hour surgery in August, about two weeks before school started, down in Mexico. <laughs> It's another whole story. Eight-hour surgery, bone grafting, removal of teeth, eight hours under the gun. Anesthesist, the whole nine yards. If you ever had anesthesia in Mexico, the guy walked in with a duffel bag full of equipment, <laughs> opens the duffel bag, he says, here, hold this. I, okay. It was an amazing experience. But I lived through all that. But I haven't been able to chew on, this tooth, on these teeth 
because of all the bone grafting. And I go back in a few days, back to Mexico. So if you hear that I died in Mexico over the break, I wasn't a martyr, okay? It wasn't from preaching the gospel. It was from trying to save some money. Anyway, I go back and I've got to go through this whole thing again. I can tell you from experience, and I don't want to bore you with the story, but on the way to the airport, be careful. Don't want history to repeat itself. A broken tooth is not fun. It's not fun to eat yogurt for five months. It, 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 it's just not really exciting. You know, I come home, I have a bowl of yogurt. <laughs> I eat yogurt for breakfast, I eat yogurt for lunch, I eat yogurt for dinner uh, with a little protein substance to keep my strength. I haven't, I haven't chewed a bite of food because of a broken tooth. Paul was thankful for these people because of their fellowship, because of their faithfulness. But then he was thankful because of their fortification. Drop your eyes down to verse 7. He said, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers of my grace. Paul said to these people, I have you in my heart. You know why? Because they had been partakers with him in his ministry. When he was in prison, in bonds, they were praying for him. They were supporting him. When he was out preaching the gospel, they were praying for him. They were behind him. They were standing with him. You see, these, these people at Philippi were fortifiers of Paul's ministry. They were his prayer warriors. They were his burden bearers. They were those who gave of their resources. In fact, go to the end of the letter. Look at uh, chapter 4 and verse 14 as he winds down this letter. He's, he's thanking them once again. And in verse 14, he said, Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now, ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things that were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. They had come alongside of Paul and in some physical ways had tried to provide some things for him. In spiritual ways, they had prayed for him. In emotional ways, they had tried to encourage Paul. They were partakers. They were fortifiers of his ministry. Are you bearing anybody else's burdens? Who's on your prayer list? Or is your prayer list just things for you? Whose problem has become your problem? Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We then ought, that are strong, ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not please ourselves. So we should ask ourselves, who could we fortify over the break? Maybe a bus kid back here. 
maybe a teenager at home where we're going. Maybe our pastor. Maybe a senior saint. Is anybody thankful for you? You'll come to somebody's mind over the break. These people came to Paul's mind. And in every remembrance, he could say, I'm thankful for your fellowship, your faithfulness, your fortification. I want the drama club to come and close this message for us today. As they come, think about who's thankful for you.